Today's gospel reading serves as the basis for today's sermon, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and mercy be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we begin this new sermon series, The Heart of God. Discover this heart of God. And today in particularly, we focus on what it is to know the heart of a king. Right, to know the heart of somebody is more than just to know a few things about them. I mean, think of acquaintances that you have. You know a few things about them, but it's probably fair to say you don't really know their heart. In fact, to know someone's heart, you have to spend a fair amount of time with them. You have to encounter some of the highs and the lows of life with them. You, you walk with them. You get to know who they really are. To know the heart of someone. God in this season of Epiphany, desires to reveal his heart to you. Today, we learn about the heart of a king. And the heart of our king, Jesus, is contrasted with the heart of another king, King Herod. Now, King Herod, he rules from a, peace, a place of fear and, and ruthless evil where Jesus, he rules more like what well, our text calls him a shepherd today someone who preserves and protects his people. This text invites us to discover the heart of God as the heart of a king. And as such, we, we hear that the heart of our king reaches beyond borders and boundaries to bring peace to troubled times in a way that is revealed and not secret. Now, note, uh, there is in this text uh, a common theme. Sometimes people use this slogan or this phrase. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker. Maybe you have this bumper sticker, but it goes something along like this. Wise men still seek him. But that's not the point of this story. 
The point of this story is that God reveals Himself to people. It has really little to do with the wise men and more to do with how God reveals Himself to them as a heart of a king. Now, Jesus, He ministered among His people, and He promises this kingdom of God. This is a theme that Matthew in his gospel writes about over and over, this kingdom of God. And and as we talk about this kingdom of God here at St. Luke's, we often say that the kingdom of God is the world put right, right? But sometimes that can lead us to think that the kingdom of God is a place or a location. And the actual meaning of this word is more of a verb than a noun. It's more of an action word. This is something that God is actively doing. He is reigning in our lives. He is, if you will, kinging, and His kinging is brought into our life. His reigning, His work about actively putting together this world put right is made real in our lives. That God is reigning with us today. So let's take a deeper look into the heart of this one who reigns in our daily life. See, the heart of a king, God reveals, reaches out beyond borders and boundaries. We see that in our text today because those who are reigning and ruling in Israel, in Jerusalem, the political leaders like Herod, the religious leaders like the, like the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, missed it. In fact, initially, they're completely clueless about the birth of Jesus until Gentiles from far, far away announce it to them. And so, see, both the religious leaders and the political leaders were so involved with building up and preserving and protecting their own kingdom, their own power, their own authority, that they missed that the source of all of their power and authority had just been born. Which gives us a good opportunity to ask the question, do we get wrapped up in our own daily lives, preserving and protecting what we hold dear, and miss the signs of God's reign all around us? Or does Jesus take the role of that guiding star and lead our life with our complete focus and attention and faithfulness? Sometimes we end up looking at all of the troubles and brokenness in our own lives, and when we do that, it's impossible to see the signs of God working in them. And so it takes these foreign Gentiles to see these signs. Now these magi, tradition says that these are three kings, and tradition's wrong. (laughs) We don't know how many they were. We know there were three gifts. And apparently tradition just says each one holds one gift. But we don't know how many there were. But they weren't like royal kings. In fact, they were more wise men or magi. Uh, That's the word that we have in Greek is they were magi. And magi came from all over the place in the east, but primarily there's a good chance that these particular magi came from ancient days of Babylon. Right, this country that at one point in time several hundred years ago came and captured Israel and carried Israel into captivity into Babylon. And as they carried them into captivity, 
Israelites hang on to their God and their scriptures and their teachings, and they import them into Babylon. Now, Babylon, just for our own sake of reference, for those of you who like geography, uh, is a roughly Baghdad in Iraq. And so there, there are this prophet named Daniel, I'm sure you've heard of. And this prophet Daniel is summoned by the king there in Babylon who's had dreams that he wants interpreted, and, and he has called in his magi, his guys that know, are supposed to know what he's dreaming and what those dreams mean, but they failed him, and he sends them to death. And Daniel says, I bet I can tell you. Give me a day to go speak to my God, the God of Israel. Let him tell me what your dream was, and let him give me an explanation to share with you. That's exactly what happens. God speaks to Daniel, gives him the vision of the king's dream. Daniel goes to the king, shares the vision of the dream, but also shares the meaning of it, and the king is overwhelmed with joy. In fact, so much so that he spares the lives of these magi. And again, this is, this is tradition. We don't know this from Scripture, but it's very, very possible that they were so overwhelmed by that moment of God's grace, this encounter with the real God of Israel, how Daniel interacted and by the power of God spared their lives, that they took notice and they spent time reading and digesting and searching the Scripture and came to know that there would be a star one day that would be their sign that this Messiah, the real God of Israel, born in flesh to be a new king of the Jews. And they're watching and they're waiting and hundreds of years later they see it. And with great joy they pack their bags and their ancestors of those original magi that were overwhelmed by Daniel's work of the Lord, go and see this king for themselves. So it's interesting as we look at how God chooses to share his grace and reveal his love to people, sometimes spanning borders and boundaries of even his own people, the country of Israel, into the lives of those far, far away from God, outside of genetic lines, outside of the family of Abraham, and brings them in and adopts them as his own, just like Lincoln and Lucas were adopted into God's family today, just as you were in the waters of your baptism, adopted in. God's capacity to know how to approach different people is amazing to me. God doesn't necessarily look at astrology and astronomy and go, yep, that's the answer. That's, that's the way. But he knows that the wise men are looking to the stars, and so he uses what the wise men are looking for to show them what they need to see. That's how God, in his great extraordinary wisdom, chooses to work by revealing himself to us, not all in the same way, but uniquely as we need to see it. If I were to ask you what your story of your heart's awakening looks like, everybody's story would be unique and different because God comes to us and approaches us in just the way that we need to see Him, in just the time that we need to see Him, bringing the gifts that we need in that moment. 
the heart of a king reaches out beyond borders and boundaries. And the heart of the king, we learn in this text, brings peace in times of trouble. Now, not a king who brings trouble to his people. That's King Herod, right? Herod the Great was this incredible political manipulator who finagled his way into the hearts of the Romans who then declared him, who was not a Jew, he was an Edomite, declared him to be the king of the Jews. He's not a Jew. He's not a Roman. But somehow he wormed his way in there. And worming his way in there, he understood and knew that he, unlike other kings of Israel, did not have this line of David that he could claim. He knew his place as a king was tenuous. And so in his great fear, he would kill anyone in his way. Stories share that he would even elevate his sons to positions of power and authority, only then to panic and kill them to preserve and protect his own rule. This was not a wise man in the sake of bringing peace to his people, but trouble. In fact, our text today says that when Herod heard these news, he was troubled, and all of Israel with him does not mean that Israel heard the news that Jesus was born and they were troubled. They were troubled because Herod was troubled. If you know this, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And if Herod, if Herod, apologize to anybody named Herod today. If Herod was troubled and angry, you did not know what he was capable of doing. And so the citizens of Israel were petrified as to what might happen next. This is the heart of a troubled king. But the heart of our king is far, far different. He brings us peace in times of trouble. But he acts like a shepherd instead. When we have troubles in this time, our good shepherd doesn't necessarily remove the troubles from our lives, but he equips us with his presence, with his protection, with his power, with his wisdom, with his strength and encouragement that we can walk in the shadow. We can walk in the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. We can know that our Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, to know that our cup overflows. See, the heart of a king reaches out beyond his boundaries and borders, and the heart of a king brings peace among troubles, and the heart of a king is transparent and not hidden. Herod's actions were all done in secret. If he wanted to be above reproach, he would have called the entire Sanhedrin, but that's not what the text says. It says he called in select few, probably his own chosen people, to come in, tell me what I need to know. And then he calls in the Magi secretly, and he shares with them this lie that when you find Jesus, come back and tell me so that I can go back and kill, so that I can go back and worship him. Even his motives are secret and hidden. We're not too far different sometimes, are we? The things that we keep secret, the things that we keep hidden. Sometimes we do really, really good things with hidden and broken motives. Sometimes we do horrible things that just remain hidden. You know, as as your pastor... I know 
Sometimes it's not that irregular that I get an email that says, my family is struggling with this issue. Nobody else knows. I don't know what to do. And the enemy loves to whisper those lies into your ears that says, keep it a secret. Because if people really knew, they would change how they act around you. Keep it a secret because as a Christian, you're not supposed to have these kinds of problems. Keep it a secret because you'll be shamed and humiliated if you let it out. And so we suffer in silence and in secrets and hiddenness. See, the heart of our God is to bring what's out of darkness into the light. Not so that we can receive shame and humiliation, but so that He can operate in our hearts and and bring healing and solutions to our brokenness. I believe we have a very real God who desires to know you intimately, who knows you intimately, and and wants you to know Him intimately, and and to be safe and feel free to come to Him with your brokenness in, in brutal honesty so that He can bring healing to the hurts that you have. I'm not quite sure why it is, but church seems to be a place where we feel comfortable to pretend like everything's okay. It should be the place where you can be okay not being okay. Because we have a God who wants to make you good. The heart of a king is transparent and not hidden. See, when we experience the heart of a king, the magi, they give us a great example of what to do of what to do when you encounter this heart of a king. They give us three things. They, they saw the king, they fell down and worshiped, and they offered him treasures. To see the king, anytime you see the word see in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, it has much more the sense of not just seeing something visually with your eyeballs, but knowing it, getting it, understanding, do you see? And throughout this series of discovering the heart of God, God wants you to see His heart, to know it, to get it, to understand it. That we are to see Jesus as our King, to know and recognize that He is the Lord of our lives. To put Him in that place of the one person that we surrender control to. Now, fortunately, we don't need to search diligently for Jesus because He's come to us. He's found us exactly as we are, still sinners, and as such, He brings us into a right relationship with His Father through His Word, through the sacraments, through His grace. We are washed clean and made new. See, wise men appear to be the drivers of this story, traveling very, very far to see this newborn king. But even before they did that, God was at work seeking and finding them to reveal himself to them. God is doing the same for you today. He desires to reveal himself to you. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I choose you. So they saw And then they fell down and they worshiped. To worship in such humility, in fear and love and trust in God, to give Him our focus, our honor, our praise, to bend the knee, to bow before. Now, to worship a king, 
Well, that sounds kind of strange to me, to worship a political leader. For me and, and myself, I speak only for me and myself, but you won't catch me worshiping Biden. You won't catch me worshiping Trump. You won't catch me worshiping any political leader. My encouragement to you is the same. And don't you dare worship a pastor or any religious leaders. I can guarantee you, give us time, we'll disappoint. Worship God and God alone. He alone is worthy. And as I say those things, that they come out of my mouth, I also recognize that I, just like perhaps some of you, are guilty of worshiping things that are not God. Fall is my season of great sin and temptation because of college football. I love all things Kansas State. I'm a wildcat through and through. I know first string, second string, third string. I guarantee I spend far too much time learning and studying and reading about all things Kansas State football. I spend time, I spend money devoted to it. Now, thanks be to God, I spend more time and money and devotion towards my Heavenly Father and my Savior. But it is something that I have to give pause to and question, is it too much? Well, what do you worship in your life? May it be God, because Him alone is worthy. And I'll offer our treasures just like the wise men offered gold and frankincense and myrrh, these were gifts that were fit for a king. Literally, these were the gifts that you were to bring to go see a king. Now, there's some people who have looked at these and said, well, obviously, because these were such priceless and, 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 and expensive gifts, they were probably sold and used for the flight into Egypt and, and the travel back. And that's very, very possible. Some people have said, but these gifts of, of frankincense and myrrh, these are burial type of sense that the wise men in their great revelation knew that Jesus would one day be sacrificed on the cross and would be buried and would need these spices at that time and would allude to at least his suffering. Maybe, maybe that's true. But what we do know is these were gifts fit for a king. These were magi going to visit a king, and they brought their best. Do we? Historically, the church has looked at time, treasure, and talents as our way of thinking about the things that we give to God. And it's not a bad way to think about it. It's, it's, it's fairly comprehensive, but what we want you to start thinking about is, are you giving your life to God? Life is this new acronym that we would love for you to grab a hold of, and the L from this talks about labor. Do you give your labor to God, the work that you do, the vocations that you have, the things you do for a living, the time that you spend working hard? Are you working hard for the benefit of the kingdom of God? Do you do it for Him? The I is influence, the influence that you have, your sphere of people that you know. Are you using that to benefit the kingdom of God? Are there people within your influence that do not yet know Jesus that you need to be more proactive having conversations with? Or people in your own home, even? F, that's finance, that's pretty simple. Only it's easier to talk about than actually do. 
And the challenge that God gives us is pretty simple. He says, try and outgive me. Just try. Try to be more generous than me. It's impossible. If you are super, super generous, guess what? I am too. I'm more generous than you could ever hope to be. There's no way that you could outgive God. And E, your expertise. The things that you've done in your life that you're pretty darn good at, or at least competent in, and have the ability to use that competency to benefit the kingdom of God. So your life, when you experience the heart of a king, does it shape your life? May that question stick with you a little bit this week. And may you have a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So this week's weekly awakening question, the question I would like for you to talk about around your lunch table today, throughout your week with your family, with your friends, is this. How will the heart of King Jesus shape your life, your labor, influence, finance, and expertise? If you forget what that is, come talk to me after church, look it up on YouTube, watch the sermon back again over and over again, and you'll get it. Your life. 